Inquiring Minds Want to Know. What is your dream film to program? What is the one that you've really wanted to show to an audience that so far you haven't been able to work it into a program or like a print has been elusive? What's the what's what's the bar? What's the gold yeah, standard? My white whale <laughs> is he got game. Like I haven't been able to get a copy Ooh. of he got game. And not only do I want a copy of he, he got game, which I don't know if there's a DCP, but um, I don't want to show on DCP. I need to show that film on 35 millimeters. So um, that's the one that's eluding me right now. Before I knew what kind of program I was going to have for a long time, it was still a sports movie. It was breaking away because I why that just, one? Because it's a great film and people haven't seen it for some reason. Yeah, you no know, kidding. It won the it won the Oscar for best screenplay. Mm -hmm. You know, it had this like it was up for best picture. I just, it had this life that was in a different time and mm -hmm. it was so prestigious. Ebert yeah. gave it like, one of the, I go back and read Ebert's review of mm -hmm. that film mm -hmm. because it's such a beautiful review. Um, I tell people not to read it before because it, it's more like, he Ebert's not really a reviewer. He's, he was more of an essayist like most times. Like he would, he would review some things and that he'd be like, this is a review and then this over here yeah. is an essay. Yeah where he would give away a lot of information. I wanted people to see it. I needed people yeah. to see it. I think that's like part of what being a programmer is. It's not just your favorite films. It's about what you think a film going audience needs to see too. It's curation, uh, right? Like you're doing, you're doing the hard work because either things are hard to find and people don't see them, or there's like all kinds of things that people can find, but they don't know what's good. And you're, being the you know the, the the museum director and saying okay go into this gallery because this is important and i think you'll enjoy it yes yeah exactly i, so, I really yeah. hope that you do get to program both and if I you did. get to program either i i will i will definitely be there so now he got game is just like that's the, the, it's the whale <laughs> let's 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 see it happen people spike if you're listening you know, we, we, we need it. We need a we need a prince, not even a copy. We need a prince, Spike. <laughs> Welcome yeah. to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil in Toronto, Canada. You are listening to episode 314 of the Matinee Cast. It's the movie loving podcast of the matinee.ca, your home for cinematic passion and perspective. Something you fine folks may or may not know about me is that I have an affinity for analog, which is a little weird to admit as a podcaster whose entire audience relies on a digital medium, but it's true. Watches with hands, written notes, cloth, handkerchiefs, fountain pens, love them. Things like these have a story. They become part of our stories, and ultimately, they become artifacts that we were here. And it may seem old-fashioned, but I know I'm not alone because my guest today is a self-proclaimed nostalgophile herself. She is, as we mentioned in the introduction, a programmer for Paid in Sweat, a screening series here in Toronto that runs at the Review Cinema, and she's a contributor at That Shelf. Vanya Garraway is here. How are you? Oh, I'm great. I'm so wow. You, you know the stuff about me, and I love that. <laughs> I, you know, I try. I try to do my research. If I'm gonna reach out to strangers on the internet, be like, "Do you want to come on my show?" You gotta, <laughs> you gotta come prepared. Otherwise, you just look like an absolute chump. <laughs> yeah, uh, I am a nostalgia file. I love all those things, the tactile stuff that actually do keep you happy. I actually have a section on my website which is very bare, bare bones and quite new um that's called the offline herald where i have a few articles and i'm planning to actually interview more people uh, about the things that they do offline it's called offline herald because you come there to read and find out what other people are doing 
but also um, it's, you, you know, you get online to get off. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. On episode 314, we are going to be discussing the killer. We'll be flipping the record over to play the other side. Speaking of analog, first, though, we need to learn more about Vanya. This is Know Your Enemy. All right, so apparently you've heard a few of these, so you kind of have an idea of how this is going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Miss Garraway, what was the first film you can remember seeing in a theater? Karate Kid is the very <laughs> first. Well, it ages me. It's aging me. Um, it's quite sure. all right. You're, you're, you're in a safe space. It's quite all right. It's, <laughs> it's, I when would... I, it's when I hear that the first film was something like, you know, The Notebook. That's when I just, like... Feel the lines in my face deepening. Karate Kid, it was a great experience. My mom was a big movie fan, and she took me and my brothers to see it. And I'm the thing I remember most about it, other than my brothers like wanting to practice all the moves after, um, hmm. was that she they put too much butter on her popcorn, and it seeped through um, the bag, and it got on her dress, and she was just just worked up the entire movie you know oh, like man. i felt her energy the entire movie where she was just concerned that she wouldn't be able to get it out of her dress um and that's the most that's the most clear memory um also how he gets a car and yep. i love the color of the car like you know is it yellow it's yellow what is <laughs> yeah. what was with the yellow cars in the 80s movies because like footloose there was a yellow car too I, th- I want to say it's just how they stood out among everything else. <laughs> could <you know>? be. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, okay. So, I mean, it's, it's interesting because that's formative, of course, because there's a sports movie and, you know, we, we've talked about how your, your, your uh, series right now is all sports movies. You know, it's interesting that you bring up the sports thing and the connection there because Bill Conti did music on that. And oh, I'm a yeah. huge Bill Conti fan. Like I love rock. Oh, wow. <laughs> this is like a cyclist. I feel like I'm, like seeing a therapist um because yeah, you are on the couch it's you know it's really apropos he's one of my favorite um composers i think he's underrated because people just say oh he made you know he did the rocky score and then there that's it but he did a lot of television too um mm-hmm. and other movies like baby boom he did uh an unmarried woman the score for that so oh, yeah. I, I just i just love his work and he worked on Karate Kid, which is has a, some similarities to Rocky, and there too, obviously through the story too, under an underdog very, story. Yeah, okay, very formative film, very cool. Like it's you know <laughs> you like I I my 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 apologies to your mom's outfit, but it seems as though she <laughs> she did some good parenting that day. Yeah. Great work, Scareway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so more much more recently, what is um the one of the last films you watched? That's- I saw Stage Fright at um review last Friday. Uh, it's a yellow film. Uh, and oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. It's basically about a stage show that's going up, and then a killer that gets into the space, the theater space, and is stalking everybody. Um, of course. Trying to kill them while they're locked in this um, theater. You know, of course, I'm sure there was like a really big crowd for it at the review, as there tends to yeah. be for these kinds of showings. Um, had you, like, had you seen it before? I have seen it, I have seen it before, but a really long time ago. Um, I'm a big fan of Neon Dream Cinema Club. That's the program there. They mm-hmm. used to be at the Royal. They're like a huge. They're like a very popular program here in Toronto. Um, yeah. And generally, in dealing with films in neo noir, but they have expanded to 
other genres too. Um, and yeah, it was just a very cool film. I mean, it's, it's Halloween. You kind of got it, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and like, and, and you enjoyed it. You enjoyed strange freight. It, it's working well in terms of like the, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, the music is really great, which a lot of yellow films have really strong scores. Um, and kind of, kind of synthy. Yeah. And, uh, but the and the acting was like really fun, but the costumes were incredible too, right? It's How so? Like, the vibrancy of the of the costumes, like the colors, the styling is like the eighties ish, you know, style. Um, and yeah, just like that whole set, and it was kind of creepy, uh, <laughs> but it's also really exciting. Um, the kills were really quite violent, but also kind of cartoonish you know it's it's a great film what i love about it is that it sounds like it checks off all of the boxes of the typical giallo film you know in high style so i yeah. uh yeah i i haven't seen it myself i will have to move it up the queue i'm sorry that i didn't get to it during uh you know during so-called spooky season but um i'll make sure that i uh get on it sooner rather than later Important thing: the killer has an owl. There's an owl head that's used by a character in the play that they're put, about to put on, and the killer ends up putting on this owl head. Magnificent! It's on a poster. I, I need to. Really. I need to see this now. Yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> and that's, it's extra creepy. <laughs> awesome, love it. Um, all right, stage fright. Very nice. Um, what is one of the worst films you have ever seen? So I just the other day I was. Uh, scanning through um, Hollywood Suite, which is actually one of our, my sponsors, actually. I watched Student Bodies the other night, and it's rough. It's It was rough. Like, I really like a hokey kind of, you know, it was like break the fourth wall kind of, <laughs> um, you know, horror cultish, you know, cult classic-y kind of film. Like, I love mm-hmm. that kind of thing, but I just couldn't get into this movie. It, I just was really resentful of it. it Oh. <laughs> I was like, Come so, on, guys. yeah, just in case people haven't seen this opus, this is from 1981. <laughs> this is like really right at the height of the slasher movies like Prom Night, Friday the 13th, Halloween. Um, and this is, I guess, it's supposed to be a parody, yeah, but it wasn't just, it just. I know what it was trying to do. And I mean, I mean, I'm sure other people love it and they can like lean into it, but I was just irritated. (laughs) And I'm usually not that, I'm not usually that person. I'm usually going to be like, yeah, this is silly and I love this and it's kind of garbage, but I kind of like, I'm on board, but it never got me. It never got me there, you know? Right. Um, Right. You know, when a stranger calls, I don't know if you know that film. Mm-hmm. I actually just spoke, talked about that film too. I actually just watched that film too. It's probably like, it's a blueprint for Scream too. The whole like right. calling the calls, you know, from inside the house kind of thing. And, um, and this film has like a character called the breathe, like, you know, it's pulling from that, the breather kind of thing where it's like, you get a call and, you know, and Strang- what a stranger calls came out in 79. So I think that they're really like kind of leaning into that too. Yeah. Yeah. But it just didn't get there for me. Yeah, it's I mean, that's the that's the challenge when you get a movie like this that's trying to really let like rest its humor and rest its whole wit on on being cheeky. It's like if you don't buy it, you're in for a long night. 
Right. Yeah. You yeah. really got to sign up. And I don't know, maybe, you know, if I saw it with a crowd, maybe if I wasn't just at home, in my pajamas, oh, yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> maybe yeah. it would, maybe it would have tipped me over. Cause that could, that can happen, but I wasn't, I didn't, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't do it. <laughs> Alas. I mean, you gave it your best shot and you never have to do it again. Exactly. Um, and I committed, so- I watched it all the way through. <laughs> well done. Um, <laughs> Okay, conversely, what is a film that people consider a classic or essential that you have not yet seen? Bridge of the River Kwai is the one I've been thinking Ooh, about that I wanted. Okay, okay. That I haven't seen that I want to dip into, I think. How how verse are you with David Lean? I love David Lean. I love Lawrence of Arabia. I, my, like, I love Lawrence of Arabia. I mean, it's okay. awesome. And... But I love Summertime. I love. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's Catherine Hepburn and Rosano Rossi, and he's so handsome. She's so gorgeous. It's like a romance. This woman, American woman, you know, on vacation by herself in Italy, in and it's incredible. Like it's just it's gorgeous looking. The romance is wonderful. You know, he like spots her in the like palazzo and you know he's like just like so many things are happening with just his eyes the way he stares at her and you just you just want somebody to look at you like that it's right so, right it's so wonderful um there's some beautiful bright colors there's a place where they're just like lying in grass at one point and i just sometimes i just think about it i'll just think about that moment of them lying in grass and i'll just like drift away to that space you're like nice be with rosanna brazzi and the <laughs> tall grass you know on it nice. like while the sun's going down oh, it's gorgeous i always say this like i feel jealous if you've never seen bridge in the river Kwai and you get to see it for the first time uh enjoy like it, it's you're, you're gonna <laughs> I, I, I always wish I could go back and see some of these movies for the first time. I am really excited because it looks like summertime is on Criterion Channel, and I have that. So I know what I'm going to be doing later <laughs> on this evening. If you're already a fan of Lean, this is definitely one of like the essential Lean. It, it, it's the, it does a lot of different things. Um, Alec Guinness is doing like his Alec Guinness best. Um, <laughs> everybody... It's 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 kind of wild because it's the kind of movie where everybody knows the end, you know. That's mm. the that oddly enough, that's the clip that is always shown. Kind of like Casablanca, very much like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so what I would just say is, um, if you get the chance, and and you know, I'm, I'm sure I don't need to preach this to you. Do try to see it on a big screen because you know, David Lean movies they're very very big. So this is yes. one of those ones that will do well, even though a lot of it is not terribly grand like they, they're really only on the bridge for you know little bits of it it's not you know even though it's the titular bridge <laughs> it's not just about the bridge um so but it, but it's just i always like david lean movies are the kind of thing that play so much better big i probably have taken so long to see it because i want to see it on mm-hmm. big screen mm-hmm. you know but it's, i it's i move. mean i watched summertime you know at home i watch on criterion and so i probably end up watching it at home and then have, just running out to see it the first time i have a chance yeah gotcha uh last but not least for now because i say for now because you're on the roster now like you're this is not one and done you're, you're gonna be coming oh. back for more shows yeah. <laughs> oh i'm so glad <laughs> yeah me too what is a film that for any rhyme or reason you wish you'd had a hand in making you know it's it seems like why why this movie but i was thinking i almost famous kept coming up 
I love that movie. And it's just such a like an easy kind of not that it's easy to make. I mean, they're going from place to place, a lot of location changes, but like I just I just feel like it's kind of beloved. It's kind of just how it's in a it's in its pocket there, you know? It's I don't hear too much about it, but then when I do, it's generally positive. It's it's well written. I love this I love the script. You know, I think Cameron Crowe is uh, a really great writer. And I just think it's simple enough and easy enough. And you just turn it on. You Once you turn it on, you're watching it and you're like, you just are like, yeah, I'm going to watch this all the way through. You know, even if you didn't know, you're just kind of on that journey with with the characters. And it, I and it probably has one of my favorite line ending lines of any movie. Um, to begin with everything. Exactly. Just, oh. <laughs> um. If you listen very carefully, that sound you hear is my entire listenership laughing because you actually just named my all-time favorite movie. Um, what? So yeah, yeah, that is my favorite movie with a bullet. Um, I I've seen it far too many times to count. Uh, it, I don't know if it would be my answer to that question, but I love that as an answer to the question because absolutely that is a movie I that believe. I wish I had made. Yeah, no, well, well done. Um, I just rewatched it uh, last week, actually, because I watched a film that really got to me. And my antidote to that was like, throw on almost famous right now. I need to, I need to calm down. I need to get happy again. Throw that movie on right away. Great choice. Well done. <laughs> I feel very proud of that. I'm not gonna lie. Because I, I did not know. I think about it. I think about that movie all the time. And every time I see a clip or something online, I'm always, I, I just go right back to the movie. I'm like, yes, it's, it's like almost perfect film. Um, in a way. You know what's funny too, though? I haven't I haven't talked about this out loud, so maybe this is a moment to do so. I'm I'm having a little bit of a moment where I'm kind of wrestling with it because depiction is not endorsement, but rethinking about a lot of like 70s rock and roll attitudes towards women i'm like are we still cool with this you know like 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 it it really does romanticize you know penny would adamantly say that she is not a groupie but it really does romanticize groupie culture and i'm like uh, i don't know how that's feeling for me 23 years later you know i i see what you're saying but i will say this (laughs) i think that he's telling the truth about his perspective from that time which he would not have been affected by that in the mm-hmm. same way that the women have. But yeah. also it is like a fantasy, you know, through his mm-hmm. eyes. And it's really the only way to see it. So it is romantic to him. But then mm-hmm. he deals with the pitfalls from the only way perspective he can have is that. And then yeah. he has to deal with the pitfalls of that. So you mm-hmm. know that you kind of are like, oh, I don't trust the other stuff either right. that they've done right. so okay. i think that's why it's good because i feel like he can only deal with it from that area but yeah. then he shows that they how they hurt him too right right that's and true so that's, true. that's how it that's why i think it works still and okay. can hold up hold up okay. you know well th- thank you for you better. <laughs> it, it does thank you for you know for reaffirming my favorite movie i can watch it with a little <laughs> bit of a clearer conscience now because like i mean i wasn't quite ready to put it in a box but for a moment i was like i think i need to keep this on the shelf oh, for I a little while that, you know yeah i thought about that too but i do think that um he was being thoughtful there. I think that he did show some dark stuff that happened, mm-hmm. you know, that goes along with that. But I mean, he kind of leans more towards like the softer and funnier. Um, so I, I think he stayed true to himself, but he also yeah. did lean into some really like, you know, dark things and the protagonist gets 
like jerked around pretty harshly. So, I mean, I think you can keep it. And the score and the, the whole soundtrack is incredible. And the fact, I don't know if you know, you probably know this, <laughs> that he like, he had like a whole record. Like he had, he was like, he knew that that was Stillwater's third record. Like oh, that yeah. they would have released. I just love all that. Like that he had all these little things that went along with it that we don't know about that he thought about but you know it comes through right Mm -hmm. like it Mm -hmm. comes through the way russell and them the way they play together yeah you're like yeah this is a veteran band now they have their you know third album like when they play um fever dog it's like you're there like real like for real like a concert you know I, I love it. Like, like <laughs> it's kind of funny. Like we need to move on, but I really want to just keep on talking about <laughs> all those things. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. So, and it's, it's funny cause I watched it just last week and already I'm thinking I need to watch it again. So thank you for that. Well done. Um, yeah, you, you are definitely coming back on this show. <laughs> I love it. Thank you for all of that. Uh, we have a movie to talk about. And even though on this show, we like to normally stay spoiler free, this movie, we kind of have to spoil and it's not really, are doing um you know we i think we could but we're probably both going to come down on the side that you should see this so if you're the kind of person who feels you may be spoiled i don't really feel like this is the kind of movie you can spoil but there's a plot point very 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 early on that's really central to everything else that happens so uh just be warned that we're going to talk about it in a little bit more detail than we normally do um and uh, without further ado the uh the new slang for episode 314 is the killer which we'll be talking about right after this Killer is directed by David Fincher. It's written by Andrew Kevin Walker. It stars Michael Fassbender, Tilda Swinton, Arliss Howard, and a bunch of other ne'er-do-wells. Michael Fassbender is the titular killer, a sort of gent who is methodical beyond belief and very, very good at what he does. Well, usually. You see, as our film opens, last chance for spoilers, people, our shooter misses a shot, and that puts a target on his back. So instead of doing what he usually does, which is go where he's told, kill who he's told, collects his money and ghost, the killer needs to start tying up loose ends and dealing with those who would do him harm, along with those he cares about. It's difficult to know where to begin with the killer. Like, for real, I didn't know where to begin with this introduction. <laughs> Late in the story, there's a fable told as a joke where a hunter's prey questions its motivation with a pointed and plucky, you're not really here for the hunting, are you? Which begs the question, why is the hunter there? And by extension, why are we there? So let's start there. Pop quiz, hot shot. When it comes to a movie like The Killer, which is not Almost Famous, which is not Summertime, which is not any of those gems that we talked about before, why are we there? For Fincher? Yeah, uh, probably. <laughs> why didn't like, I think of that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we're there for him because he's proved himself. And I think a lot of people, that's how they approach films. And, you know, uh, if you're a film buff, you know, it's interesting. Beyond Fest this, <laughs> this year when they did um, their festival, they had trading cards, director trading cards. And oh, okay. Okay. I thought 
why, yeah, why don't we always have, you know, why aren't we with our film buff friends standing outside the front of review, um, you know, trading cards of directors, because that's the way we talk about them. We talk about them like athletes. Yeah, that way. yeah. And we, we follow them, you know, it's almost like a director every time they have a film, they're moving from to a new team and we follow them there, you know. That's, um, you know what, that's a really, <laughs> really good point. I actually hadn't really thought about it that way, that if this was just, if this was just any old movie uh, with, with Fassbender in it called The Killer, we probably wouldn't even be really paying it much attention because it's like, oh, it's just another guy shooting people. It's kind of like, yeah, Fassbender brings something there too. You know, Tilda Swinton, you, if you know that she's in the, the film, then she brings something too. But Fincher, he's the guy. He's the one that you're kind of like, oh, yeah, I'll sign up for this thing called yeah. The Killer. We see, you know, if you see the trailer, I'm trying to avoid a lot of trailers these days because they give away a lot of stuff. But um, Yeah, no kidding. See the color. Like, if you look at the color, like, Michael Mann has that, too. You see the color of the film, you're like, oh, yeah. If you like it, you sign, you're signed up for it already. We might as well start there in terms of, like, jumping over our, our reaction and actually, like, starting with Fincher. Um Fincher, I mean, he was, when I was getting into film, he was one of those guys who really got me into film. I kind of feel like he's he's definitely one of those directors who, he gets a lot of the film fans into the seats more, more you know, like he, he's a brand. What I think that is, that energy, he was a, he made music videos and like, he mm-hmm. kind of gets that. He gets that, um that MTV kind of like quality like he knows how to do that for a lot of people i think you know videos are like a good entry point to film and so it makes sense that the music video guy you know who basically that was his bread and butter for a long time um you know award-winning music video guy like would be able to do that Mm kind of makes Mm -hmm. sense to me you know, one of the things that I was thinking about the other day is, have you ever watched a movie? I'm, I'm sure you have, but I'm just going to pose this as a question for conversation. <laughs> have you ever watched a movie that's faux Fincher and then you realize how good Fincher actually is? It's like Fincher-esque <laughs> is not a compliment because <laughs> in reality, it's like you should have just hired David Fincher because then right. he could have done what you were trying to do, but yes. better. Yeah, and I think that's probably because he's such a technician which is probably oh, yeah. what we're going to talk about a lot in the, while talking about this movie, yeah, is that yeah. he is, it's a, this movie is basically, it's like him, an embodiment of him in a way, too, because the methodicalness of this killer is a lot about, like, how people talk about Fincher as a director. Where for you would you say this film falls? Like, is this, like, upper-level Fincher? Is this somewhere in the middle? This isn't, like, I, I don't think this is lower-tier Fincher. It's not lower-tier, but I don't think it's top-tier. Either. No, no, I, I would agree with that. I think like it, at this point in his career, he's done some real bangers and yeah. this is like, this movie is serviceable. It does the job uh, by all means, but you know, when you put it that way of, you know, we said, we, we talked about this last episode on the Scorsese talking about killer moon about mm-hmm. how at a certain point in an artist's career, they're competing against themselves. And you know, when Fincher is competing against Fincher, yeah. it's a, it's a rig deck. I was saying to a friend that, I kept talking about the killer when I saw it and, but then I kept bringing up other movies. I kept okay. bringing up his other films, which oh, yeah. isn't really great for the movie. That's, you know, the new movie, you know, it's <laughs> like if, if every time I'm like, yeah, so the killer. And then I'd be like, I rewatched seven, you know, like it just, I just kept doing that. I right. kept saying, Oh, I rewatched seven and you know, what's great about seven and I'm rewatching fight club and you know, what's great about that that's not that's 
<laughs> you kind of want to stay focused on the new picture, yeah right? yeah but but like you know but you're you you know he's now 30 years into his career as a as a mm. filmmaker he doesn't have that long a list of films i think it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 yeah it's um, not yeah but he's he's competing against himself yeah and not to say i'm not saying that this film's bad i'm just saying no. that if you're that good, it's actually a good, it's a compliment to him in some way. It's saying that you're that good. We expect that good. Yeah. Yeah, time. totally. Um, and now what did you think overall of the killer? When I first saw it, I was like, yeah, delightful. Great. You know, and walked out right. and I right. knew I, I, I saw it at TIFF and I know staff there and they're, they're like, Hey, so I wasn't, they're going to ask yeah. me as soon as I walk out. Right. And um, I'm not a great ranker. I'm not a, great you know it's funny because i'm a critic but i also um have sometimes a hard time being like uh, harsh about something so i was i was very very positive and then i worried that i oversold it to some people and then i worried that i undersold it to some people and then they're like well like is it like like really good like venture good and i was like "Mm, it's good it's solid (laughs) and then i end up saying you know something like uh i said has he made a bad movie? Has he? No, not really. No, he hasn't made re- a bad movie. I don't think, I don't know that he, he's capable of doing that. Um, you know, but because of the methodical perfectionist thing, you know, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that he's always going to get something good. Is yeah. it going to be his best? Maybe yeah. not. And that might be of many, that's many factors, right? It's like yeah. the script, he's, you know, like the timing. Um, and so maybe this movie, when I watch it again, um, it'll be different. I definitely enjoyed this movie. Um, I'm like you. I didn't, you know, th- this isn't going to make like my top five of the year or anything like that. It's not that kind of movie. But I think that's the whole point is it's not that kind of movie. It's very yes. clear in its intentions of what it yes. wants to do and how it wants to do it. And it's all about craft and please pardon the pun execution um <laughs> when it when it comes down to the to those moments it, we're going to get to in a moment the fact that this is for most people going to be a film that drops on netflix and they don't actually go see it in the theater yes. um be, because i feel like there's going to be something lost in that translation mm-hmm. but you know that's that's the thing is that if somebody is you know, if I'm playing curator and somebody calls me in a, in a month and says, hey, this is on Netflix. Should I watch this on Friday night? I would say, yeah, absolutely. Watch it yes. on Friday night. You know, I don't think you should make a point to see it on Friday night, um, even though we did. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, I, I definitely enjoyed it for what it was. Um, you know, technique is great. Execution, great performance. Everything is, is wonderful. Um, it, I think that's the thing is that at the end of it, like I can even hear – the apology in my voice, which is to say <laughs> it's not doing anything special. It's doing everything it, like at, at top level. It's, it's executing everything wonderfully. I, and I, every time I say that word, I'm hearing it. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's performing incredibly well, but it's not doing anything new necessarily. So good. Yes. Great. Mm, don't know. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. Right. No, exactly. I agree too. It's like, I don't, we keep, we keep doing this. Like we're skating around. It seems like we're being cagey, but it, I feel like when people see it, they'll understand. I don't know. Maybe there's something missing. There's something not there that like carries it over to like greatness. I don't know if that's something, you know, films change, right? I don't know if that's something that'll come later, you know, mm-hmm, on a rewatch mm-hmm. or something. 
I don't, or how people talk about it. I don't know if streaming will help or hinder it. Yeah, you're right. It's firing. Like, it seems like it's firing in all cylinders. Okay. I, I get that. And then I'm like, or is it that, you know, you kind of think, is that the point of the film? I think that's the thing, getting back to Fincher and looking at his career, because I think we both did the same thing going into this movie, which is we watched a lot of his older movies. I, I mean, I, I certainly did. And it sounds like you yes. did too. Okay. Yeah, I watched so a few. He's, right. He's kind of got two types of movie. He's got movies where he's really trying to do something. And I'm thinking of stuff like the social network and uh, seven and like, regardless of the type of movie he's doing uh, even, you know, I will defend the curious case of Benjamin button with my dying breath, but there's yeah. times where he's trying to do something bigger. Zodiac is another one that's in that first category too. Right. Another time, other times where he's just trying to make a movie. So I'm thinking of like, you're gone girl, your, um, mm-hmm. you know, your game, uh, certainly your fight club. And it's like, there's not anything bad about just going out and making a movie. I kind of wish Scorsese would do that more often, to be entirely honest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, when you do that, there, you know, it's like, yeah, you're going out, you're making something for entertainment. You're not trying to win awards. You're not trying to change the game, but you're going and giving people something well crafted, even if you're not trying to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. And I think I kept thinking that, like, am I punishing him in some way by mm. like, asking you know it not to be just one of those movies yeah, you know yeah. that you would it's see a fair like, question you know that you would see in the 70s and the 80s these they were just like they could just pump out like a like an awesome kind of de- like definitely decent you know solid flick that you could see on on a mm-hmm. weekend you know people weren't trying to make be like you're an auteur and what's yeah. what's next and we're waiting with bated breath they were just like yeah that was awesome you know i saw yeah. this new movie and it, it's great and i yeah. felt in some ways, I think that's why maybe we're being hesitant because it's like, are we punishing him for just being solid? Like, yeah, I mean, and, and it, and it is, it's a really fair question for sure. Um, I, I feel like this movie lives and dies on Fassbender. Uh, what did, what did we mm. think of Fassie in this movie? At some point in the movie, I thought, huh, they should have came together earlier, you know, yeah. Fincher and Fassbender, maybe they should be doing more movies together. I kind of thought he was, kind of perfect to, for them to meet up. Like how is, how has we gone so long without them him being his leading man? And it works. I feel like it works for this film. He definitely works for this film. He's actually kind of been gone for a minute, um, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I never really put together until I'm looking at his credits right now. His like, I mean, his last credit was one of the X-Men movie, but even that was back in 2019. Um, the last movie where he's just playing, himself or not himself but he's playing you know michael fassbender as someone mm-hmm. um is the snowman which is bad by the way people don't don't watch that movie <laughs> but that even that was 2017 like yeah that like i mean that's six years ago now it's it's been a second since fassbender has been able to get up there and do what fassbender does which is you know act the shit out of anything he's handed yeah, and the thing is, you know what's interesting about this role is the character is supposed to be kind of nondescript. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because Fassbender, I think a lot of people be like, yeah, he's gorgeous. He's, he's so good looking, blah, blah, and seemingly stand out. But he is kind of perfect for this, like good looking enough as this leading man and nondescript enough uh, for this character. It's weird. I kept thinking, yeah. that's so weird. How does that work? But it, it does. There's not a scene that happens without him in it. 
Um, he's, there's a lot of time. He does a lot of VO and we're going to get back to that in a second, because I feel like that's important to talk about, but there's a lot of times where he's doing, where he's acting and not saying a damn word. So he has to put a lot of this stuff into his posture, into his face, into his eyes. Like he's got great eyes. Um, Mm -hmm. and I feel like, I feel like he does that a lot anyway, but I feel like he actually did that really, really well in this movie. As much as we're being admittedly, both of us kind of cagey on the fincherness of this movie, the fastiness of this movie is absolutely on point. Yeah. He just, he's so solid. You know, I was watching, um, uh, one of Fincher's, uh, videos, music videos, um, suit and tie, Justin Timberlake video with uh, Jay-Z in it. And then I turned off the sound and it was like, I was like, this is a great video. Like I was still into it. Like I know the song, but I was like, I could feel the song through the visuals. So they're both working in tandem, you know, Fassbender's, um, uh, his performance and, and Fincher's directing style. They're both working. They have to work. It's in order to do this with so much silence, really, you know, they have to be really have symmetry, you know, and it really, they really do. Oh, I'm sounding like this is the best movie ever made. Anyway, so, <laughs> but there's again, like a we're, symmetry we're, there. We're talking, I mean, we're again, we're, we're back to talking about craft. And I think like that's <laughs> the one thing that we can agree on is if you like seeing movies that are all about crafts, that are all about actors acting their ass off and well edited and well shot and well scored, you know, like this will be a fun night for you. You're not going to walk away thinking anything, you know, drastically different about your life, but that's not necessarily a <laughs> bad thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so Fassbender, it's just, he nailed it. Like his tone, everything, even like, even when he is speaking to someone, it's really difficult actually to connect that voice. There are almost two different voices, mm-hmm. you know, his speaking voice when he's speaking to people and then the narration, but there's like a middle ground. There's somewhere in the middle, which is a difficult yeah. thing to do. Is this movie too aloof? Because <laughs> one of the killers rules, like he spouts off this little credo three or four times throughout the movie. One of his rules is forbid empathy. Early on in this show, you brought up Roger Ebert, and he always talked about how films are empathy machines. So if he is unempathetic, and to be clear, he really is unempathetic, right down to the last the last encounter. I don't think that the last encounter is an exercise in empathy. This character and then therefore this movie's lack of empathy, does it make the whole movie cold and harder to dig into emotionally? Yeah. That's why I kept saying, maybe that's the point of it. The feeling is all is very consistent, right? Right. Very first frame to the very last frame. And then you have the Smiths too. The Smiths is like in it, we're jumping because it like it's used as a tool. The, yeah. the band, the Smith is used as a tool throughout the film. The Smiths is the perfect band for this movie because they're like very jangly and like heart beating, but at the same time, very nihilistic and kind of cold. And so, you know, it kind of, they kind of carries all the way through to the end credits. The end credits has my favorite Smith song. I think that it's very well planned in that way where I could see how somebody would be disconnected from the film. We need to jump to the Smiths for a second here, because I think one of the things I never really thought about the Smiths as a soundtrack device is the Smiths as your soundtrack is kind of a little black dress. 
You know, it's like <laughs> you throw some diamonds on it and they're really, really meta. You throw some, you know, Chuck Taylors with yeah. it and all of a sudden it's really sporty and fun. And yes. they, they do that. Like they, they take a movie like this and they keep it cold and aloof they can also be you know like i'm thinking about like their use in something like 500 days of summer where they can be very twee and very you know like yeah you know, they're jangly because, yeah. yeah 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 so that's that's the interesting thing you know that that soundtrack it's another it's another tool in keeping the movie at a distance is you know the 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 soundtrack that can be a lot of different things the names that keep getting changed and cute little trick with making them all TV characters, um, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. yet keeping, keeping most of the movie in his head. Um, I got, you know, whether or not the um, absence of empathy and the remoteness of this movie works or not, I got to admit it, at least it like commits to the bit. In areas, it seems like it almost commits too much. It's like, okay, we get it. We get it. We get it. Right. But the, but the Smith, <laughs> but for me, the Smiths works as a thing where it's just like, if you think of him as like nondescript, it's kind of perfect because he's like the, like it fits into this the, dico- the dichotomy of the Smiths is the same as this character. Yeah, you know? yeah, very much. He has so. he's really cold, but then we know that he has a heart because he cares. He's been able to be hurt by yeah, like he's- his partner who's been hurt. Yeah, he's doing all of the, he's not doing all of this so much for him. I mean, he's partly doing this for him, but yeah. he's mostly doing this because uh, in the second act of this movie, we find out that not only, you know, is is his contractors and his, you know, basically his coworkers coming after him, but they're drawing him out by hurting the people he cares about. They're trying to play on his feelings, even though he's trying to have no feelings. Yeah, because if you have... If you listen to this myth, I know I, I have a friend, her husband, he never paid attention to their lyrics. And then we started telling him about the lyrics of the Smiths and his mind was blown. Like he was like, Oh my God, how have I never paid attention to how miserable they are? Oh yeah. When, so, yeah. They, sound, when they sound so good, <laughs> but they also make you feel so bad. Um, I mean, when you're, when you're writing a happy <laughs> bouncy song about your girlfriend being in a coma, it's kind of hard to say. It's like, Oh wait, no, she's in a coma. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, like, you know, like my favorite Smith song is, you know, basically talking about love, but then it talks about being hit by a bus. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, like it's kind of perfect for a killer who's like cold, but then also has this other life, which is yeah. nice. So yeah. yeah, everything kind of lines up almost too perfectly, and we're punishing him again. We we touched on the fact that along with Fassbender's performance as the killer, that we're also getting a lot of blanks filled in with this voiceover. Did the film? Do you feel like the film chickened out by using voiceover that like, I mean, without the voiceover, it's a different movie and I'm going to talk about that movie later on. Mm. Um, But there's a, this movie is really carried by narration. How did like, did the, does that help it along or do you feel like that's a cheat? I don't think it's a cheat because it makes sense because he's not really with anybody else. Mm-hmm. you know he's alone so it could have been i guess it could have just been silent all that time and i yeah. feel like fincher could do that like i do definitely feel like he could do that mm-hmm. um and maybe that maybe in times it did maybe it's just like if we had just watched him order amazon you know what i mean we're like oh i get it i get it i get it and right. then not talk about certain little things and we just yeah. watch it 
I feel like, as I said, like I was watching a music video of his and I was like into it, you know, so he can achieve it. So it's not like something he can't do. I guess what interests me about that is that's actually not a brush that he paints with. Like really thinking in my head of most of his movies, there's not a boatload of voiceover. There's voiceover in Benjamin Button because Benjamin's telling the story, Mm -hmm. but that's based on a book. So that's mm-hmm. not that, that that that's a cheat, and there's a lot of voiceover in Fight Club because that's the whole point. Um, but again, that's a book. When you think of again. the rest of the movies, when you think yeah, when you think of Seven, when you think of Panic Room, when you think of uh, you know Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, again a book, but not a book with voiceover. It's not one of his regular tools. So I think that's you know you talk about watching videos with the music off, which by the way, I've never done, but now I totally want to do. And I'm like, why did I never think of that before? It's a Spielberg um, thing. It's a Spielberg thing. Spielberg said that if the film is good, that you can watch it with silent, without the sound and it will still be good. See, I've watched it without color. I've done mm-hmm. that trick. I've stripped mm-hmm. the movie down to black and white. And it's really interesting to see what that yeah. happens. But I've never thought, yeah, I've never thought to watch it silent. And I'm totally going to be doing that now. I think what we could both agree on is without the VO, it's a different movie. We never really know. Cause like, unless you're able to strip that track out of a Blu-ray, um, you know, I, I, I don't know how you could see that movie. Maybe if there's a director's yeah. cut later, like, you know, if, if he blade runners, this shit and takes out, <laughs> takes out the voiceover. That's the one, that was the one thing I remember thinking as it was going along. I'm like, I kind of want less talky talky and more dewy dewy. It's so interesting. You brought up seven too, because you have like, voiceover maybe the voiceover king mark morgan freeman yeah. and, and yeah. no voiceover nope. um you know and uh yeah and i think about voice i think about voiceover sometimes there's clearly certain actors that are much better than it than others morgan freeman being one of them uh winona Ryder is pretty strong uh voiceover actor too she's done that quite a bit um and they people i think people think it's easy and just reading but it's acting right like yeah, you have yeah. to you have to have a performance in that you know when people think about Shawshank Redemption he's like so not the way people like <laughs> people feel that they remember his voice probably the most i i think that i think Fassbender did a good job yeah but maybe there's a lot of repeat repetitive stuff which i get yeah um, because he's he's saying things over and over as a reminder to himself um so i understand it as like a tool in that way mm-hmm. um but maybe it portrayed the movie a little a little bit um yeah sir i mean i think we can both agree certainly different without seeing it for ourselves it's hard to say when he misses that first shot which is the cat like the thing that drives everything forward yeah, um, yeah. in the film uh I, I, and his voiceover is actually quite funny. Like his, even his movement, his facial expressions are quite funny. Um, because he's like, he's talking about being so great. And then he has this massive fuck up, but it's also very funny. And I almost thought, should they have leaned into the more funny, even like, cause it's funny throughout the film. But imagine yeah. if it was like a full on Fincher comedy, like, like lean in all the way <laughs> and that he kept, screwing up and then but also being successful at the same time because there's plenty of times where there's opportunities where i'm like you're making a bad decision like you're taking like you know i felt like he would have messed up even more you know he put himself into strange positions where he would be he like he was very vulnerable with that lady because he wanted information from her but that could have gone sideways 
to. He he was with Tilda Swinton much longer than he needed to be, and she actually called him out on it, and mm-hmm. that also could have gone sideways. So there's plenty of places where um, he made mistakes, and then he recovered from them. And I thought, oh, at one point, I was like, is this where this is going? Where we're where he talks about being awesome and so methodical and perfect, but really he's not that good of his job. <laughs> That would, I mean, that, yeah, that's 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 true. Um, I think I think where that's really on display is chapter four. Um, it's t- it's subtitled "The Brute." It's he at one point he goes so he goes to Florida to uh, confront the first of two contracted killers who were sent after him, and this mm-hmm. is the muscle. You know, so like there was the muscle and then there was Tilda Swinton was the the, the engineer and the brains. Um, and the muscle lives up to his billing <laughs> living in this secluded florida seaside house with chain a pit link. Bull, <laughs> chain link fence pit bull guarding the door he's got some stupid show on a 80 inch flat screen tv making a lot of noise while he's in the shower but what's interesting about that whole scene is the brute gets one over on him because he walks in. He thinks, I think I know exactly where the brute is and I'm just going to walk in two in the, you know, two in the chest, one in the head and we'll be done with the brute. And the brute turns into this great big, long knock him down, drag him out fight that just it's uses. Incredible. It is incredible. Yes. And, but it just uses everything as a weapon, including a cheese grater. Um, and that's the thing is like, for the fact that this guy is supposed to be the ultimate weapon, you know, a, however much he costs to take a single shot. He walks into this thing and he just basically <laughs> makes a catastrophic mess of the place and barely gets out alive. That scene, it's so extended. It's so yeah. extended, but it's really fun. Like it's oh, yeah. like that fight is like one of the most fun like fights like that that I've seen where he kind of keeps getting the he he crap kicked out of him yes yes he does yeah he really struggles with that one like it's really really it's probably the most difficult thing he has to deal with the entire film um you know outside of being outside of emotion like like the tech as him as a technician um I wondered what that meant to like what was Fincher trying to tell, (laughs) tell us about himself you know with that scene like what are the what all the different obstacles in that scene are those uh, like metaphors for little obstacles he's met along the way as a filmmaker. Yeah, there's a reason why I don't do pop movies, people. There's a reason why I don't do franchises. It's it's really, really clear that if I were to get into this kind of mess, I would just really be overpowered by the brute that is the franchise. Um, now, I, I do need to ask, of course, because you are the programmer and you are the person who wants to get people out into a seat to watch something on a big screen and get the big sound. What might people miss watching this at home? This film actually is getting a wider play than I first thought, because here in Canada, um, our major movie chain has started playing nice with Netflix, and they're actually showing their films on a big screen. Um, Mm -hmm. But a lot of people will just wait to stream this movie in a few weeks. But what might they miss watching this at home that you and I experienced when we got to watch that in Lightbox One? I think with Fincher, you want to see like how he deals with color and Mm. like light. When I even when I was watching Fight Club and watching Seven at home and and Mank actually, um, like. I kept thinking about how I love how he thinks because he's worked with different cinematographers, but the cut, like it's the same. He has a real uniformity in his films 
yeah. you can put them as a palette that you can put them up against each other. And um, that's because he doesn't like big lighting setups. He likes to use natural light, which I love because I'm the kind of person that if I'm watching something black and white, I, I hate soft black and white. It's like, oh, I really hate it. And I, and I, I would rather not know what's happening in a corner that's dark until like we go over to that corner or someone mm -hmm. lights a candle or something. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I like those patchy kind of things. And he has that in his films. And I feel like sometimes you can't get the full breadth of that unless you're in a theater where it's very, very dark, you know, that you don't have any of your little lamps or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and also because of the nature of the film, the quietness of it, the, the fact that it's like soundtrack heavy, um, I think you don't want any distractions. You want to just like go on this journey and kind of be in his, his mind, mm -hmm. you know, going on this like very pointed execution, you know? And yeah, so if you I, have little distractions, you know, yeah. it, it might break up the art, art of it, which is weird that it's streaming immediately because it's kind of needs, I feel like you need to see it this way. Anyway. I agree. I, I absolutely agree. And I think it's, it's interesting because we're talking about how this movie is, clinically cold like it's not a movie that you're gonna you know get in your feels about one way or the other and if you take away some of that uh technique then i don't i'm like well what are you left with you know if, if it's mm -hmm. not there to play to your heart and it's not titillating your head what are you watching while you're you know potentially second screening or watching it you know while you're doing other things you know please i, I also want to like come down on something I do not advocate either one of those ways to watch any movie for the first time. Please and thank mm -hmm. you. Um, I'm, I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you don't do that. But anyhow, um, I think what's interesting for me, what I the one thing that I caught that I loved, 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 back to that Smith soundtrack, is every time he slips in his earbuds, the sound drops. Yes. It's a really subtle trick. He actually talks about using the music to block out outside noise. And anytime it's timed perfectly when he slips in those yes. older school earbuds that are wired, he's using some, you know, non-distinct <laughs> MP3 player because, yeah. you know, that's what he's going to do. He's just going to, like, this is functional. <laughs> this, I, this is fine. Um, but every time he slips in his earbuds, the sound around him drops. And that's not the, I don't care what kind of setup you have at home. That's not the kind of thing you're going to catch. If you're watching it in a room with other noises going on, then you will watching it in, you know, the review or Lightbox one or a Cineplex or whatever, you know, theater happens yeah. to be around you where you can really, really engage with all parts of the movie. Yeah. I feel, I agree with that because you're really, that's what I meant too, with being with him, like yeah. really absorbed by, like you were in there with him things are from his point of view it's hard it's hard to get that when you're you know at home right and yeah you can yeah there's just, just yeah there's cats walking by there's horns honking <laughs> outside you know what's my neighbor doing it's it you know it's, it, a movie like this it's really hard to to, to stay in it we <laughs> end every review here on the matinee cast with a souvenir something tangible or intangible if you could take away from this movie and keep you would um Vanya Garraway, what would be your souvenir from the killer? You know, like <laughs> in Inception, where um, Tom Hardy's like says to Arthur, uh, to JGL, think bigger. I, mm -hmm. I, I was like, oh, come on, just say the house. Um, but, <laughs> but probably, <laughs> but probably, I just want tend till this one's in whole outfit. Can I have that? Can I have that? Like all of that, like creamy whiteness and the yep. the coat, the coat on top of the the layers and everything's the same color, including your boots. I want that. Can I have that? 
I, uh, yes, absolutely. You can, um, you know, to, just, just to go back, uh, you know, we, we keep, we keep coming back to Tilda, Tilda's, Tilda's chapter. It's, it's, it's a great chapter. Uh, you'll, mm-hmm. you'll enjoy every second of it. That is a very talky chapter, you know, to, to go to, to counter all right. of the voiceover. So he I doesn't pro- talk a lot. So no, he doesn't no. talk a lot. I mean, Hey, listen, there's something to be said for a man who listens these days. Um, I want that flight of whiskey that she drinks. I'm sure that it's great whiskey. Like that looks like the kind of restaurant where it's certainly not going to be cheap. She Um, has her own special bottle. She has her own special bottle. Yes, she does. She does. Um, I, I, yeah, I I want that whiskey. I mean, I just, I'd love, I'd love just more time with the Tilda character. Like it's, it's the kind of, it's this kind of scene that I love where somebody comes in, does their little thing and goes and you're like, that person was incredible. I, I want to spend more time with that person. We cool. rate here on the matinee cast on a scale of one to four stars. Venya Garraway, what do you give David Fincher's The Killer? I don't know if you you know this about me, but I really hate rating. But I'll, I'll You're do gonna it. You're going to do I'll it. Do, I'll, do it for, I'll do it for you because you know, I, I don't want to stonewall. Um, I'm going <laughs> to say three i'm gonna give it a three yeah yeah that's exactly where i am and and like again i think both of us need to spell this out it's like it's a it's a david fincher three but it's something like a bennett miller four (laughs) you know (laughs) a david fincher three is still a really good two hours right it's yeah it's an excellent it's an excellent three don't don't get us wrong yeah the killer (laughs) it's in theaters now it's going to be on netflix soon um please check it out if you haven't seen it already i'm sorry if we spoiled the whole movie out of it but i really don't feel like it's kind of movie that can be spoiled i really feel like you just you're gonna go with it you're gonna know what you're getting into inside of the first 10 minutes and um you know uh, let me know what you think ryan at matinee.ca on twitter i'm matinee underscore ca or facebook facebook.com slash dark matinee what do you think of david fincher's the killer we are going to take a very quick break and come back and talk about more movies so come back with us we'll uh, turn the record over and play the other side right after this We are back. It's Matinee Cast 314. She is Vanya Garraway. I am Ryan McNeil. We've been talking about David Fincher and uh, The Killer. It's the other side, the part of the podcast where we talk about other movies, other stories. You know, if you love The Killer and you want to watch more stuff, or if you hated The Killer and you want to watch other stuff that's better, this is where we steer you where else you can go. Um, you said that you've got one or two movies um, to go along with The Killer. Uh, give us one to start with. Where do you think somebody could go after uh the you know spending two hours and ten minutes with uh, michael fassbender yeah i thought about it like if i were doing like a day of programming and the killer was in there mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i would do uh melville's uh le samurai which i think oh. a lot of people will yeah that was gonna be mine see- okay yeah so <laughs> let's, yeah let's talk about that a lot, together. People, a lot of people are gonna watch this there are other hitman films that they could be but i mean i feel like enough people haven't seen um le samurai that i wanted to say it anyway yeah, yeah, I would totally agree with you. Um, 1967 movie, uh, I think it's French New Wave, if I'm getting that wrong. Mm-hmm. Film scholars, yeah. please uh, pardon me. Uh, Jean-Pierre Melville. And it's so much like that movie. Like, it, it's a poppy version of that movie. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's nothing wrong with taking something that's already, even though Le Samurai is not 
that arty of a movie. Like, I mean, the only thing that's really arty about it is that it's in French. If it was <laughs> seriously, if it was in English and starring, you know, somebody think- like Steve McQueen, we would be talking about it as like one of the great hitmen movies from the sixties. It well, is one of the great. I'm, it is one of the great hitman movies of the sixties, but more people would be talking about it that way because it would be more accessible to the the masses who don't like to read subtitles. I think what comparison they have and what's already about it, I guess, if we're going to use that, is the silence in, in yeah. both films. The how quiet it is, you know. Um, mm-hmm, also, mm-hmm. also they the, a similar thing. The the gorgeous face of a man that is also of like Alan Delon, you know, that is also kind of nondescript, mm-hmm. right? Um, the that they share that too, like a really, really handsome leading man, you know, that you know can carry a picture in that way, but then at the same time, he's kind of nondescript enough to be a hitman where people he's, might forget his face. He's nondescript enough that they have a very long, drawn out scene with basic, putting him in a lineup and putting him in front of several people saying, is this the man who killed everybody? And, and people he looked right at were like, no, that's not him. And you're like, yeah. are you blind? Like, did you not see that guy? Because I remember that guy. I'd, if he looked at me one time, I'd remember that guy. How do you not know him? Oh, he's not wearing his hat. Oh, brother. Oh, well, listen, like I had a case of just the other day, I had a case of Clark Kent's disease. Like where, like I, I, I knew somebody and then she was wearing glasses and I was like, hey. And she's like, hey. And I went, oh, oh, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it was the glasses. Yeah. But so it's interesting. It works. I mean, witnesses, like he talks about that in the kill, killer, like how witness, witness uh, testimony is what puts people away, wrongly convicted people away. Yeah. Um, basically, I'm paraphrasing, but so it makes sense. I mean, Alan Delon is gorgeous in the same, probably the same way that Fassbender is gorgeous. And mm-hmm. though, it kind of works, you know? Yeah. And you're, I mean, you know, and you're watching both of them have like their, their kind of monk like life. You kind of see that a little bit in something like the equalizer as well, like living a (laughs) very, very simple existence, no flair. I mean, like, you know, the killer lives a very complicated professional life. Like he's got resources upon resources upon resources. But when it comes to just, you know, he he brings up at the beginning that, that it's not a profession for somebody who cannot handle boredom. You get that mm. that that that's got to be for somebody like the samurai or like the killer. That has to be part of the role they accept. Is I need to just be cool with a bare room and a bird. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And a hat. And, and a hat. hat. Yes, a hat is very important. <laughs> so yeah, so we're okay. So we both come down on the side of the samurai. I, I think that's a, the, a clear sign that people should see it. If people are looking for it, it's on the Criterion Channel. Really easy to find. It's like always there. It's not one of the ones that comes and goes every month. Um, so I guess you're up again. What's the second movie you think that people could go to after The Killer? And I would laugh really hard if we both had the same second movie. I would show um, Hitman, the Richard Linklater's Hitman. That's why I talked about it earlier. Ah, too. okay. Um, I saw it at TIFF. It's co-written with uh, Glenn Powell, and it's very funny. I think when people see that, which is also coming to Netflix, I'm just saying, you know, you can do this at home. <laughs> you know, if you have Criterion Channel, you can watch The Samurai, you can watch um, Hitman, you can do the 
do this triple bill. Congratulations. That is the least Glenn Powell that Glenn Powell has ever looked. Yeah. Um, and- you know, he's, he, he looks very, very mundane. And I've seen Glenn Powell. That takes some doing. Yeah, exactly. So all three of these men, <laughs> right? They're fitting the same bill in these films. Yeah. Gor- gorgeous, gorgeous, and yet mundane and, you know, kind of looking. But also, gotcha. it's really like, it's a very funny film. It's okay. If you can see it in the, the in the cinema, obviously, I would say see it in the cinema with a crowd, uh, because you'll like get that like energy of everyone laughing together. But it has very specific ideas of what a hitman is okay and okay. it's and so it's very funny to watch it would be really funny to watch after the killer that right. has a very specific way of talking about the job and then to hear how they've put it in this comedy which is and it's very funny gotcha okay well thank you for bringing i mean Linklater's another one of those guys where he makes a movie and i go and that could be a dodgy proposition because there's sometimes where he's really making a movie just for him and those are some long days at the cinema but <laughs> I, I i'm always interested because you know i just know that wait nine months and there'll be another one um all right hitman good call um definitely want to see that mine actually is uh, a film that's a little bit older now and i say a little bit older which is to say it's from 2010 it's really weird to talk about a 2010 yeah. movie and say that was 13 years ago um oh, so when i said i want to watch this movie but without the vo that movie exists and i love the holy hell out of it um i went back to 2010 and chose a film by anton corbain another music video director um the american with george Clooney. yeah, yeah love oh, yeah. this film not nearly enough people have seen this film and it's a it's a very similar premise where a hit goes sideways and he needs to take care of himself take care of business take a you know take another contract but this is a movie where we are only watching how he works and how he relates to other people and i you know we let off this whole show with talking about analog i have a deep fascination for watching people work. So whether you are a cook, whether you're a carpenter, whether you're a mechanic, Mm -hmm. anybody who is making something out of other things, I love to just sit there and just watch the wheels turn Mm -hmm. in their head and how, especially if they're good at it and the American is good at what he does, whether it's taking a shot or building the device that's going to take the shot. Um, that is that movie. It's kind of funny because that's like I'm watching the killer and in my head I'm like, why isn't this the American? When the reality is, well, dumbass, because you already have the American. So just go watch that. I think that's a great pick. I love that. You made me think about, we talked about um, Zodiac um, because I love paperwork movies. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> and Frencher has one of the greatest ones. And like, I love the idea of like watching somebody when people, when they're good at something and they're collecting something or they're just creating something. Yeah. Um, uh that's that's awesome i'm glad you picked yeah. that movie yeah i i, I, I feel like it time. was yeah I, I mean i haven't watched it in a minute either um i have a copy but it's one of those ones where i can just lose myself i can just, i mean any any movie that just wanders around italy for for 100 <laughs> minutes I'm, I'm gonna lose myself in that but and yeah it, it just checks so many of the boxes anton corbain you know music video director i love photographer that i love um you know i, I feel like he as a director didn't really get a complete fair shake. Like he did control the American most wanted man and then life. And you know, he's just, he's so good. I, I, I really wish that he got to do 
more films and and show off his craft because he does mm-hmm. he does some he does things on a Fincher level, but in a different way than Fincher. One thing we didn't bring up with the killer and about Fincher in general is like also sound, how sound is used. Mm-hmm. It sounds really important, like like in this film because there's such a lack of dialogue. Yeah. Um, all the little things he does, like when you were talking about making, I was thinking about when he's taking putting him together and taking apart his gun, which is something he has to do quickly more than one time. And so we hear those sounds and then they become familiar when he does it again. And um, yeah. And just like everything I love, I love uh, footfalls and everything. I love all that, that stuff in films is especially when it like, it's kind of a driving thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, and I think he like, it's brilliant because even when I was watching seven, like, you know, there's a point where the killer, is there down the hall and it's like subtle little sounds that, you know, kind of get them to pay attention to a different area. I think that it's done really well in the killer. Like, you know, if you're looking, if you're that kind of person, if you're, if you're a person who goes to the movie for sound and there is nothing wrong with that because it's, I mean, it's one of the core elements Mm -hmm. of film, you know, then you're going to love, yeah, you're going to love movies like that. And you're going to love movies like the American where, I mean, you know, even one of the things I love in the American is when he's building the rifle, I mean, he does. It's 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 wild because he doesn't even really need to do it, but he does. Mm-hmm. He when he's building the rifle, he's building the silencer, and to make sure that he doesn't arouse suspicion, he times like he's got to basically pound this washer to round it, and he mm-hmm. times the pounding like the 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 Iron Man hammer on metal ping to the chiming of the church bell in the town, and it's like. <laughs> I kind of feel like the Italians there aren't going to care if they hear four pings of metal <laughs> on metal, but he cares. Like he's like, he can't yeah. rouse any suspicion. So, you know, that's the kind of thing. And I know there's one of the hits where we even like back out of the room to understand why he's doing it the way he's doing it. And, and the way that it's masking the sound. I love sound in a movie. So I'm, I'm so glad yeah. that you do too. It's great. Um, <laughs> yeah. We should do a, should do a series based entirely on sound. That'd be so much I fun. I would love that. That'd be very cool. Yep. Well, there we go. That is episode 314 of the Matinee Cast. I am so thankful that Vanya was able to come by. Uh, you know, thank you for trusting a weirdo on Twitter. Uh, there's <laughs> lots of them, so I, I really do appreciate that. Uh, and join me. Come on back on uh, Monday, November 20th for episode 315. Uh, we are going to talk about the Marvels. I'm really excited. Um, Vanya, plug your stuff. You've got things happening all over the place. For my program at Review, Paid and Sweat, um, you can find me on Instagram or Twitter. Um, and uh, I'm showing for Noir November, I'm showing uh, Marathon Man on November 22nd. And then uh, in December, I'm showing Rocky Four because it's a Christmas movie, guys. Oh, no. <laughs> and it's the theatrical, it's the theatrical cut. And oh, it will also have, um, uh, we're also having a band. Um, Toronto's tr- <laughs> Miami Connection tribute band is doing hits from the Rocky Four soundtrack. Uh, so come and see that. They're called Dragon Sounds and they're awesome. Uh, and then, not the ticket page isn't up, but um, I'm showing uh, Slapshot in January, Cutting nice. Edge in the Cutting Edge in February, and Ooh. Hackers in March. Wow! So, um, stacked, stacked, stacked. Read my website if you want to look at articles and other uh, podcasts that I've actually been recording this fall. Um, I've recorded a few, so and we're also going to do one on Rocky Four with the <laughs> bad movies we love. So um, 
check out all that stuff on my website. It'll be up there soon. There will be links for a lot of that stuff in the show notes. Um, thank you again so much. That like I mean, all of that sounds epic. I'm not. <laughs> I really don't like Rocky Four, but you're making it kind of hard to resist. I got to be honest. Um, I'm glad. Yeah, my site is thematinee.ca for more audio content. You can find back episodes there. You can also find them all the usual places, Spotify, Apple, Google, every kind of podcast platform has me. If it doesn't have me, just drop me a note and let me know. I'll put my show there. It's super easy. You can uh, subscribe for free and get alerts when new episodes drop. Feedback on The Killer can be left in the comment section of the site. You can email me, ryan at thematinee.ca. Uh, I'm still sort of on Twitter, matinee underscore CA, and there's always Facebook too. Any final thoughts? I mean... I think my final thought is, you know, as whatever we do, if we're criticizing something or not, or we love something or not, I feel like just make the decision on your own to see mm-hmm. films and try and see them as much as you can in the way that they're meant to be seen in, on the big screen and with other people. Um, you know, I, I'm always going to advocate for that. And yeah, I know that it's not everybody can do that. And I appreciate that. But I think just watch movies in general and don't worry too much about what other people think about them. Just watch them for you. Here, here. For Vanya, I'm Ryan. We'll see you with Matt now.